Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows, and today's podcast is brought to you by DPH Biologicals. To unharness your soil's fertility to maximize yields, visit dphbio.com. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now, here's your host, Jason Meadows. Looking for an alternative to starter fertilizer? DPH Biologicals offers a competitive alternative for broad acre crops without sacrificing yield. Refined across millions of acres, TerraTrove combines microbes, plant extracts, and algae to offer the most complete biofertility solution available. To unharness soil fertility and maximize yields, visit dphbio.com to learn more. Hey guys, today's podcast is with an incredible friend of mine, Rupa Mehta. Rupa is the wife of Sam Goldberg, the producer of Silo the Film. If you are following along on the podcast, Sam is a two-time guest on the podcast and someone who I consider a close personal friend. Sam is an incredible guy and his wife, Rupa, is no different. She has an incredible nonprofit called Nalini Kids, and it's all about trying to get kids both physically and emotionally healthy, and she has this really unique approach to health that is really holistic in in its approach and I just I love it I love what she does we talk about her kind of vision we go into relationships and how we can serve one another and then we talk a little bit about Sam and Rupa's transition into rural America from living in New York City for all of their lives and just an incredible conversation and I am just a huge fan of Rupa and Sam and I just am so thankful that I have had the chance to connect with them. All right, here we go with my podcast interview with Rupa Mehta. All right, Rupa Mehta, welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast. How are you this evening? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here and thank you for having me. So for those of you who don't know, which probably is a lot of people, honestly, Rupa is the wife of our friend Sam Goldberg, who was the producer for Silo the Film. He has been on the podcast a couple of times. Rupa and I were talking before we started recording. Sam is, I consider Sam and Rupa now to be friends of mine, even though we live far away and never have met in person. So it's really exciting to have you here. And I think it's the first time we've ever had a spouse of somebody on the podcast, you know, like that. Yeah, no, I don't know if my children will end up on next one day, but <laughs> yeah, that'd be all right. I, I know Sam really enjoyed the conversation he had with you and it's, it's been amazing to see his journey and just, I don't know, just learn everything about agriculture through the lens of silo and, and about mental health and wellness and kind of how our word worlds collide in that sense. So, wow. Yeah. I never really thought of that. Like being able, because, and that's a really interesting thing about film, I think, is it, 
people like me who aren't in the production process, we just look at us TV and, you know, we don't really think about what all goes into it. But I mean, there's got to be so much research, so much trying to, I mean, it's got to be so hard because Silo the film is the, like, as far as agriculture is concerned, is one of the most well done movies I've ever seen with regards to, because most of the time it makes it really hokey and everything. But, you know, I could tell like there was so much effort that went into that. And now knowing more about it, it's just incredible. No, I mean, he's, I'm not just saying this because he's my husband, but he's, he's so talented in the sense of fully immersing himself in. And actually fun fact is that we met, we were friends for, six years before we, I guess, fell in love. But during the six years we were friends, he volunteered with me every week at my nonprofit organization that we're talking about. And that's how we really built our friendship. And then, so both of our businesses and lives have always been very immersed together. That's great. Well, we know a lot about Sam, but tell us about you. I'm interested in you and, and your story because you got you're doing some really incredible work and very unique work but also like very needed work as well i appreciate you saying that i i really feel the need is so palpable right now so essentially i founded this organization an educational nonprofit called nalini kids and it's named after my mom nalini mm -hmm. uh, she was the healthiest woman i ever met in my life uh, she recently passed away, but she had this combination of really appreciating physical wellness and emotional wellness that I always looked up to. And I'd say almost 20 years ago, I started a fitness studio named Malini Method in New York City, where I taught adults a wellness class. And over time, it really became apparent to me that a lot of my adult clients who were getting into shape physically and um, and everything just still felt weighed down emotionally. They'd walk into a room, my thin clients feeling weighed down. And then maybe my technically more overweight clients, I felt like, you know, they felt very light to me. And it was like, how do I measure this, this feeling I have when you're around someone? So I came up with this kind of concept of emotional weight and the idea that we could measure our emotional weight through the words we use and digest in our lives. And then that kind of a couple years later in, a, in a 2009 made its way into schools. And so I started teaching a middle school class of 13 children in Brooklyn, New York. And over the last 10 years, the program has grown where we teach physical workouts and emotional workouts to children from kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade. And so I, I train teachers on the program. I used to teach directly in the schools for the first I'd say five years, but as it's grown, we've pu pulled back into more training schools and administrators and counselors and teachers alike. So, so did, I'm curious, did it go from you yourself, did it go from focusing on, you know, physical health and then like you saw it evolve into a more like holistic approach or how, how did that, is that, am I hearing that right from you? Yeah, well, it started out with a super challenging workout, you know, lots of push-ups, burpees, ballet bar, weights, and it is still kind of that challenge and that physical embodiment over time felt like a great entry point to then have 
a reflection-based conversation. So for my adult clients, what happened was I, I built up this rapport and trust with them. They were, they were changing their bodies or feeling more confident in their bodies. And, but yet maybe I was still sensing a heaviness. And so in 2008, I wrote a book called Connect Tier One. I self-published this book and it was a pretty much a breakdown of what I was seeing in the classroom in my adult classroom, physical weight versus emotional weight. And it was a memoir of sorts. And I broke down sayings and quotes that my parents said to me growing up that weighed me down and lifted me up and reflected on the words that weighed me down personally that I say to myself. And that book was really well received by my adult clients. And that kind of gave me the confidence to say, you know, when delivered universally and personally, emotional weight, mental health, mental wellness can really be well received. But it's, it's only when you kind of put the recipient in the driver's position of that. And so I felt really confident at that point how well received it was amongst adults to then take it to children because they kept on telling me, I wish I had this when I was younger. I wish I knew this in my 20s. I wish my middle school student had this. And so I felt inspired to develop books that were more age appropriate for a younger audience and workouts that were more age appropriate for a younger audience. Okay, I have, I have two questions about what you said. The first thing is that really stuck out to me is you talk about your quote unquote thinner clients and them being emotionally heavy and then kind of the vice. I mean, I, I'm probably, this probably is, shouldn't be a blanket statement, but you probably had anecdotal evidence of what, you know, like you had a certain, I'm, I'm guessing you had certain people in mind when you said that. And then the other way, what was it? Do you think, because the, when you when you think of the picture of health, you do. You think of a very thin, fit person. And that is, I don't want to get that wrong, you know, saying that that can't be a very uh, healthy person. Because, I mean, yeah. that's part, of it, part okay. of it. But what was it about those people that, you know, that you're thinking of that felt that they felt emotionally heavy? So... Yeah, just to clarify, I totally agree. It's not like all thin people are the only right, people right, who right, right, be right. heavy. And all, you know, people who maybe are, you know, weigh a little bit more are always happy. But just this idea that I think as a teacher of a fitness class, the number one thing I kept on hearing in the classroom was how much do I weigh? Do you think I gained weight? Mm. I want to lose weight. And the word weight was so up like in every single conversation. And I felt inspired at that time. This was year, I mean, this is before I wrote the book to go home and look up the dictionary definition of weight. One, because I grew up in a home where my dad always made me look up the dictionary definition <laughs> of something. And two, because it's, it's really illuminating. And when I looked up the dictionary definition, it said the heaviness of a person or thing. And I don't know why I was surprised by that definition, but it kind of struck me because a lot of times, at least at that time, you're thinking almost 20 years ago, that the word weight didn't have pounds mentioned or calories mentioned. You know, it was really the heaviness of a person or thing. So to answer your question, what I feel when I feel like someone's heavy, and it could be me at a different sure. point of the day. It's not that you're, no, you're a permanently heavy or a permanently light person. It's just that 
your general demeanor or aura feels not open or you don't feel like there's possibilities or you might lack a youthfulness or a vibrancy mm. about you. And so I think these things, you know, people feel, you know, it's a bad mood, but the solve for it tends to be in our society feels esoteric and out there. Like, oh, I have to go to therapy or I, or I have to punish it down or I have to like have a massive coping mechanism. And so it made me want to come up with a concept that felt as measurable as physical weight did. You know, physical weight, you can jump on a scale. What can you measure in your life for emotional weight? And I, I thought I, it was just really simply words. You know, the word agriculture if I put that down on a piece of paper and say, you write your own interpretation and I write mine, we're gonna see different interpretations and different weights of that word. And something as simple as that, I think can be really illuminating for young people, older people, and people who have different levels of feeling comfortable talking about emotions. I mean, you put the words, Put the word president down, Black Lives Matters down, flag down, America down. Everyone has their own feelings and emotions sure. that come up with it. But what you can unify uh, about is like, all right, this is the dictionary definition. What's your interpretation? And it just allows for an open dialogue and a chipping away at emotional weight. And that's what really got me excited was trying to find something tangible that my adults in my class and the children could kind of all get behind. That's a really, that's really incredible and really profound too, like to think about it because on the surface, you think about weight, you think about, oh, that's numbers on a scale, like simple as that. You think, I mean, on the surface, but if you peel it back a little bit and you go to the dictionary definition, which by the way, that's an incredible, that's an incredible habit to have, I feel like, because I feel like so much is left up to interpretation. But if you just go back and this is off subject just a little bit, but I gave a talk in church this past week and it was on sacrifice and I was thinking about it, how I was going to do it. And then I was like, why don't I just go look up the dictionary definition of sacrifice? Wow. And, you know, and, yeah. ma and man, it made my, like, it made things flow a lot easier. And I had like that central point. So it's, I, I can say for sure that that's very helpful. And it's something more of us should do. No, for sure. And it also helps chip away at hard concepts, like, or, or disagreements, mm -hmm. you know? Like if you're having a disagreement with someone just on friendship, like I thought you were going to do this and I'm pissed off. <laughs> look up, you know, maybe discuss what your definition of friendship is. And then maybe you guys could actually yeah. be like, oh, you know, my, my bad. We were misaligned or, you know, I wasn't thinking of it that way, but it creates one common starting point in a conversation. And then if you're just doing it for yourself, it can ground you in something that feels objective so that you can layer on your own personal take on it and feel empowered by how you okay, see it. I got a rabbit hole real quick, but, and we're going to get back mm -hmm. on topic. Have you ever read the book or heard of the concept of the five love languages? Yes. Do you do Love. you guys do that as a as a married couple? Do you and Sam do like have that? Because we do. And I'm cur I'm curious what it is for you guys. So, I think Sam is acts of service uh -huh. and I think I'm I'm in a I think 
I don't know. I like all the languages. I am equal opportunity with it, but mine is probably acts of service. Oh wow! Well. So you're but both it, the same. Interesting. We're we're both we're both the same. I think, but the way we give uh, love tends to be words of affirmation. Okay. okay. And like maybe probably like physical sure, touch too. Sure. Like, but. We tend to give differently than we like to receive. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's real. Like that people, that's, yes. there are different, you know, and we're getting down like too much of a, and I, I suggest people who are listening to this, go find that book, The Five Love Languages by, I believe it's Gary Chapman. Oh, Gary? Chapman. Gary, Gary yes. Chapman. Yes. Because, well, the reason I asked, because Carrie is heavily acts of service and I'm heavily words of affirmation. It caused such a rift in our marriage for a long time because she wouldn't understand that I, this is how I was trying to, I would try to talk to her and tell her things and she didn't get it and like, didn't seem to me to be appreciated. I'm like, why not? But once like we understood that, like, oh, I don't need to tell her she's pretty or tell her I love her so many times. Like once is enough for her. But if I go do the dishes for her <laughs> or go switch the laundry, that's really how I can sh show up. And it made a huge difference in our marriage. Huge difference. Huge. No, I remember when I read the book was uh, what was illuminated for me is how because Sam and I work together so closely, how I receive feedback. Mm. Like he's he like his his would be acts of service in reading it. And I like needed in that moment, uh -huh. words of affirmation, like this is good. This is great. Like give me positive. But it's funny how like, you know, if you could just clear it up with someone and tell someone what you need, you can get yeah. what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it <laughs> and tying it back to like the dictionary concept, I understand why you're making those connections because it's, it helps you vocalize what right. you need. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible because we just, I think we just assume that people see the world exactly how we see it. And it's obvious, we obviously not, right? You know what I mean? Like it's I, obvious <laughs> yes. now that you think about it and know, and still, we still have a hard time not seeing, not understanding that someone may see the world differently than we do. So having like those maybe kind of tangible things to measure like understanding is is really important and it leads me really kind of into my well, my second question was look we're get see how that i get back on path i can i can get right back on i there. love it <laughs> how, and and i always thought about this and i i talk about this often as far as talking about mental health within the agricultural community how important is it to have these conversations and have these lessons like you've done as young as possible? Well, I'll answer that in a twofold way, just to tie it back to, you know, the program is based on combining movement and reflection. You know, it's not just reflection, it's not just movement. And the movement can be done through what we call them word workouts, like the happy workout, the perseverance workout. So they're all word-based workouts. I think having that type of tool at such a young age not only helps you kind of help manage your mind, but it helps you kind of name things so you can tame things. You know, a young child might get hot and sweaty in their palms and red in their face and not know they're, they're, they're getting mad. So they, they can, talking about words, talking about the effect on their body and their mind helps them become emotional detectives and be more proactive in managing their emotional life. And I think as a young child, 
you know, I've seen, I've heard a four-year-old say, you know, a heavy word to me is I don't want to be your friend. A light word to me is I do want to be your friend. You know, they understand heaviness and lightness. You know, I'm sure you're, all four of your kids understand if you come home heavy or light. You know, these are, this, it's like a easy yeah. thing to feel uh, at a young age. So showing young people how to articulate that more than just heavy, like, what are the words that made you heavy? Are they words you're saying to yourself? Are there words that you're hearing from your mom or dad or someone at school? Um, helps them start to chip away and be able to feel like they can have that self-management. Yeah. And I think another thing that's really uh, important to identify as not just parents, but as leaders of young people, that each child is different as well. I mean, I see it. I have twins, right? These kids have been raised I mean, in the exact same, I mean, literally the exact same circumstances their entire life, they need completely different things. I mean, they are so <laughs> different. And I mean, if, if these children, these two children who are now 11 years old have had almost the same like experience in life, but have obviously viewed it <laughs> totally <laughs> different. I mean, what does that say for the world as a whole mm -hmm. and for children as a whole? I mean, it, it shows the importance of an individualized effort. And we all struggle with different yeah, things. Yeah. And also, you know, the other, you know, variable in that is you. One of the most illuminating things that exercises I ever had was breaking down the word breakfast with a group of middle school students. And it gave me such insight into, you know, I... I grew up kind of having Lego, my Lego waffles, eggs, cereal. My mom <laughs> made a homemade breakfast. I mean, it was just, I was a beast every morning of my life, you know, and hearing students associated to being maybe scared to go to school, not having food, a, a father or mother that oh, isn't man. around is rushing out. Like it was so illuminating to me that not, not only are people having different circumstances, but then they're going to school and they might not be received the right way. And so kind of to your point, not only are your twins having different journeys, you're having a different journey on any given day at any given moment. Yeah. You combine this whole recipe together and it can just make for sometimes a confusing or a heavy day. And so kind of peeling back the layers and trying to find a starting point on how to like get through a, maybe a tough or bad day can sometimes be hard. And so making something simple like let's just do a happy workout or an anger workout or a worry workout. And then let's just talk about this emotion. It just can be very gratifying to, to kind of unwind that way. Yeah, because I think a big part, another big part is we don't necessarily know how to identify emotions, right? I think it's, I think that's something that I don't know if anybody's really ever really gets good at it but it's we sure don't have a whole lot of training with it so like but being able to like put like if you have you say you say you have these words that you a certain person can gravitate to at a certain time and mm -hmm. focus on that and then try to kind of work that out a little bit yeah has to be helped i mean it's so helpful no, and what we did for our, like our free curriculum that, you know, your viewers could use right away or with their, with their children, it's wordworkouts.org, but the, there's 40 words on there and the 40 words 
we got from asking teachers and parents across the country what their child is feeling from ages four to 18. And so based on that, we did these word workouts. Mm -hmm. And so like you do a physical workout that's like two to three minutes and then you have different prompts, you know, let's say for the angry workout, it could be what's something that's making your community angry right now. How do you express anger? How, how, how do you learn to express anger? What do you see in your mind when you think of anger? So you're really taking a simple word and emotion you might feel frequently and really trying to kind of look at the 360 degree view of it. And then even on an at we even have academic connections, you know, what is the effect of anger on your body? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the effect of stress on your body? And so I think when you're able to understand that word fully for yourself, especially as a young person, uh, it just helps you be more proactive in situations. And to your point, detect an emotion, you know, because sometimes they're just hard. You're just like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just pissed. Mm-hmm. But are you pissed or maybe you're sad or maybe you're frustrated? And these nuances make a difference so that you can find an optimal long-term solution for yourself. So, I mean, am I, am I remembering this right is when you talk about, because you said, and I think you kind of illustrated the point and you're saying like, oh, I'm pissed. Well, why are you pissed? And like that's anger is a secondary emotion usually. I mean, actually always, right? Because it's always another emotion that is causing you to manifest that. And when somebody told me that or like, I I don't remember where it was, Mm. where I found that or heard that and discovered Mm. that, it, it changed the way I saw anger a lot. It's, it's interesting. One of the things we talk, two things we talk about in the program that I think are beneficial is that, you know, in any given day, you have 86,400 seconds in your day. That's a lot of seconds to feel a lot of different things. So you could be angry at one o'clock and be happy, at, like so happy at 105. You know, it, it can go up and down. Things These things aren't forever. So frequency also can kind of mess you up in like understanding what you feel. And then the second thing is, and to your point, kind of breaking down, there's a stimulus, there's a space in between, and then there's a response. Mm -hmm. And I think a program like this allows a child to kind of say, all right, I'm just kind of focusing on my space right now. It's filled up with anger. But like, what's the stimulus that happened before that? Or if I'm all bogged up in the stimulus, can I see that there's a space that can happen before a response? So really breaking up those three things for a child, I think can be very important. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to shift here just a little bit. And you and Sam have semi-recently moved out of the city to rural Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. How important, and as a former resident of New York City, going to a rural area, how important can you see that it is for rural areas to have access to this kind of stuff we're talking about, more complex. You know, I was driving through a town close to home mm-hmm. that, and it, it makes me sad because all I see are different fast food restaurants driving through this this mm-hmm. town of, and it's not even a, I mean, to me, it's not a small town. It's like a town of eight, uh, 10,000 people. So, I mean, it's not big, but 
but like there could be so many more things there. But instead there was, I mean, I, I, this was yesterday on a Sunday and there was Arby's, Taco Bell, McDonald's, you know, and, and I'm not saying that there's not a place for those places, but I mean, to have all that, to, and that just seems like what rural America all is, is just this, you know, there's not a whole lot of variability of choice. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see your take on it and like how trying to diversify the things that are available in rural America, how important that can be. You know, it's interesting as it, the more, look, I've only been here a year. I think maybe I'll be having a different opinion later, but what I'm seeing more is actually the similarities between rural and, and cities, Interesting, which is funny because I guess what I'm seeing is that maybe in our whole world, we all have so much stimulus, you know, the same person who's like on their phone all day in New York City and distracted could very well be a farmer that Sam has talked to that's just distracted by the stresses of the farm, the legacy planning, the building, the finances. And so we're just all living very busy lives. And yes, maybe there's more fast food to fill up, you know, and just like get the tank full and going. In New York City, you get the tank full in a different way, but it's still this go, go, go mentality. And so what I'm seeing is a very similar need of like a, a, a global anxiety attack or a global weight, just feeling weighed down. Like we're doing so much more and we're feeling more accomplished in some ways, but also the stressors have just equally increased. And so I feel more similar. You know, I was a little scared when I moved here, you know, like the New Yorker coming yeah. into this like rural street. I wasn't sure if I would be well received and, and maybe vice versa. But I think, you know, the commonalities of saying like, Hey, what do we do with this technology in our hand in our busy lives? Like the, this, this stuff. I think there, there's really a common starting point there. That's super interesting. And I'll be honest. I mean, we are, it, it is a struggle. Like, you know, as far as, you know, being hyper stimulated all the time. But I, I find it a bit refreshing to know that maybe we are all have this commonality among us, no matter where we live or how we live. Because you're right. I mean, a person super stressed out on their phone in New York City is no different than that super stressed out farmer on his tractor in Nebraska. You know what I mean? Like, it may be caused by different things, but they're still feeling the same thing. Yeah. And I I think my tendency is to kind of, you know, I saw that with my adult clients in the fitness space. I'm like, I dealt with a very affluent clientele in New York City for adult fitness. And then I volunteered in schools that were Title I schools, lack of funding, mm-hmm. really did not have resources. And yes, there was a lot of differences, but there were so many similarities. There were just so like you know, and I felt like I almost wanted, you know, I, I took a lot of my adult clients to come volunteer with me in the schools and wanted to expose my students in the schools to, you know, a thing that was happening that they may, may have judged wrongly. You know, that's what I love so much about kind of following Sam around on this film, because it's like we really had no idea what rural life would be in Iowa or Kentucky where he filmed. And I just like just fell in love with it. 
you know, an honest person in any area, New York City or Kentucky, is going to be well received by me. And so, you know, it's 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 hard to find people to kind of sit, slow down, hear your story. All of us kind of want the same things, but I, I think all of us are are suffering from a lot of stimulus and pressure. We are, and I mean, I, it's it's a lot. I think it's a lot of times self inflicted, but also like. We see somebody else trying to do all the things, so we want to try and do all the things too. And maybe if we just try to chill out a little bit, you know what I mean? And I'm as guilty as anyone trying to do all the things and and be like hyper-stimulated all the time, but I know. I'll just give you an example. I uh, yeah, This week, I deleted the... I deleted the Instagram app off of my phone. No, no, it's still <laughs> like I still have the business suite where I can post and stuff. But th- today I feel better, and I hate to say that. Like I hate to say I that it had that effect it. on me, but it does. I get, I, I get it. I get it. I don't, I don't have any social media on my phone. Not, not maybe for the same reason. I just don't think I'm a good audience for it because i end up in rabbit holes that make no sense (laughs) i'm not like i i like i would like to say like i would follow my friends or i just end up in places that are like i'm like looking at people's cats or dogs like i just it's not good for me it's not nothing it's like a a total waste of time and i i I don't know how to get into a productive place with it but i (laughs) it's it's hard because the more exposure you you have to people in dreams and not having one-on-one connections like this, you know, you have these false assumptions in your head and adults are having a hard time being able to figure out this much stimulus. So you can only imagine how that trickles down to children, whether it's a lack of eye contact because they're used to looking at screens all the time, lack of confidence because they're feeling like they're on for the camera or on for Instagram or what do you want to be when you grow up? The answer is a YouTube superstar with like millions of followers. You know, it, it's changed every year I've been in education and progressively that dormant narcissism seems to be bubbling yeah. up to the yeah. top. And how, how you deal with that as an individual and as a parent is is a real struggle and so i think being able to have a unifying thing that your family can do like a unified workout or a unified approach towards reflecting and grounding yourself and being still i think is really important more now than ever before and see this is where and you know this is why carrie and i work as a as a married couple she is so grounded and I think you you and her would get along so well because I see so many similarities in, you know, your approach to life because I'm the type of person that's go, 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 go and do all the things and try to get as much done and many squeeze as much productivity out of the day as I can. But Carrie is the one like that keeps us grounded and she's the one that like, I mean, she gets her work done. She gets all the things done, but she'll sit down and she'll read a book on the couch at night and like. <laughs> That, that's been such a struggle for me to like adapt to that. And she's so good at giving us these family activities. Like this yesterday we played wiffle ball in our front yard as a family, like, and like she orchestrated the whole thing. And like, 
I, I have a hard time with that, doing that stuff, like slowing down. And I'm so thankful because, but I, today I know I feel better. I had a better Monday today because we had such a grounded Sunday. And it, it, it's really shows the importance of what it means and the benefits of taking that time to recharge. It's so true. I mean, you think of like marathon runners who literally have to go, go, go. And the most important part of their training are is like the recovery days, you know? And so I think like applying that kind of outlook towards your own, own life, your career ambitions can only benefit and children too. You know, they have so much to do at school, at home. I mean, I remember I, I definitely been stressed that as an eight-year-old. I don't know if I would have used the word stress at that time, but like, does this person like me? What should I wear to school? You know, you know, it's all relative and this stuff builds up. So, you know, figuring out your own unique coping mechanism on how to navigate the world. Uh, it has to involve some reflection. Time. For sure. Yeah, it has to, because otherwise you, you get lost. You just get, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just, Kind of like you get lost in like same type of same type of frame of mind as when you're scrolling through Instagram or whatever it may be. That that same scroll goes on in your head if yeah. you don't stop and ground yourself. Totally. Totally. Well, this has been, as expected, an incredible conversation with you. And I am like I am so thankful to have you and Sam in our lives. It's it's been a pleasure, and I am excited to keep staying connected with you guys because I find it I find it very refreshing because you know I think sometimes there is this rift that is I shouldn't say created but like uh, visualized, and it's the, mm. the the city people versus the rural people. But to sh- like to to know that I can have friends like you guys who. Sam and I, for example, like probably you would think we would have nothing in common, right? A guy in living in the literal middle of the country versus, <laughs> you know, somebody from a, a guy from New York City. But, you know, we have so much in common. We can have such a good conversation. And it's like you say, we have more in common than we do in difference. And I think it's a really refreshing thing to to have conversations like that with people who probably have a different experience a little bit um, but still similar enough to where we can find common ground to be friends no i i I totally agree and i i ditto all the sentiments you just said you know i think even when i built this kind of education program i I did want to make sure that it was well received by the person who is really into this yoga meditation stuff. And the person that's like, this is a waste of time. (laughs) I don't like it. It's like religious. I don't, I'm not into it. So what, what could be a common ground? It's like, okay, we like to move and we like words, you know, and then, you know, city districts needs or parents needs versus a rural parents needs, like finding that commonality, Mm -hmm. I, I think was very important in how we built this program. And I, I think, you're right in how we just like live life now. Yeah. It's just, it, it makes, it makes me, it brings me such pride to say like, I don't hate New York to live in Pennsylvania and vice versa. Like I, I can like both yeah. and it, it, yeah. it is okay. For sure. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's just really refreshing. You said the, the, you said the name of your nonprofit and the name of the websites. 
say them again so people can find them. I'll link them in the show notes so people will be able to find all of them and go to them because, and I'll say I experimented a little bit with it with one of our boys and it's hopeful. It really is. I, I, a hundred percent. I think it's something that is very, very useful. So the organization's name is NaliniKids.org and is in Nancy, Nalini, A-L-I-N-I-K-I-D-S.org. And then specifically the free resource that I really suggest your viewers take advantage of. We have workouts for children from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade is wordworkouts.org wordworkouts.org and you can find those 40 word workouts I mentioned and the reflection prompts that you can do with your child or with your family. Cool. Well, Rupa, it was a it was a blast talking to you in person. This counts as in person, you know, I face-to-face conversation, you know. <laughs> I it was like I said, it was as as expected. You know, you and Sam are are a great couple and you know, I look forward to meeting you guys in the flesh soon, I hope. I I would love that. I would really love that. That would be awesome. It was so great to speak with you and just kind of not have an agenda here and just kind of really get to know one another. And, and thank you for the opportunity for me to share this with you and with your audience. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Have a great evening. Looking for an alternative to starter fertilizer? DPH Biologicals offers a competitive alternative for broad acre crops without sacrificing yield. Refined across millions of acres, TerraTrove combines microbes, plant extracts, and algae to offer the most complete biofertility solution available. To unharness soil fertility and maximize yields, visit dphbio.com to learn more. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.